So this afternoon I'm speaking to Zakia Patel, who is the regional manager for the Multicultural Hub here in Canberra. Thanks for joining me, Zakia. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And we've been trying to get this interview together since before December last year. And so it's really great that you've come in today. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Did you grow up in Canberra? What's your cultural background? Absolutely. So I was actually born in Fiji. That's where my family's from. But we migrated when I was um, the age of four. We actually started in Albury for the first seven years. And, and then my dad's workplace moved from Albury to Canberra and uh, we decided to move with them. So been in Canberra ever since from about year six onwards. And yeah, absolutely loving it. I've moved away for a little bit for university, but came back because I just really like the Canberra lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And must have been a cultural shock when you went from Fiji to Albury. You know, it's interesting because I get asked that a lot. And being four, I think, was actually really good age to move because all of my early memories are actually here in Australia. The memories that I've got of living in Fiji is just through photos or old family videos. But my actual memories of, of childhood is actually here in Australia. So I think the age that my parents brought us to Australia was a really good age for that transition. I started schooling here in Australia. I didn't do any schooling in Fiji, although my older siblings did. Learned actually English watching Sesame Street and Play School. So um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was a good age to come in. Great and. You went away to educate. What's your educational background? Uh, so I did a Bachelor of Laws and Economics. Okay, but you're working in the multicultural hub. How did that occur? Very, very randomly. So before working with the multicultural hub, Canberra, I was working um, in the youth sector in Queanbeyan primarily and a little bit in Canberra for a very long time. I didn't enjoy working as a lawyer. I did it for a little while and just very randomly fell into youth work through a friend who was working in a youth centre and just said, look, I think you'd love it. And yeah, kind of just ended up falling in love with it and thinking this is this is my niche. This is the thing that I want to do for the rest of my life mm. is working in the community sector. That's a kind of blessing, isn't it, when you find what it is that you should be doing? Absolutely. And I think that um, that's one thing that I've been able to really use with the work that I do, particularly with young people, is say, you know, goals change. And the things that we start off thinking that we want to do for our future can change because of someone or something that happens. And it's really important to keep that in mind because things are fluid and always evolving and always changing and we just got to kind of move with it. Mm. Now, tell me about the Multicultural Hub because it used to be Multicultural Youth. So what what does the organisation do? What's its target audience? Absolutely. So it's actually, we are actually based in five locations. So regional New South Wales as well. So Queanbeyan, Goulburn, Cooma and Bega. So we've got multicultural centres in those four locations as well as our hub in Canberra. We actually started 44 years ago in Queanbeyan. So it started as the Queanbeyan Multilingual Centre and then um, changed names into the Multicultural Centre. And uh, yes, we changed to the Multicultural Hub Canberra, which has really confused a lot of people. Mm. Uh, But that was purely because over the last 15 years that the... Mm multicultural youth services has existed we've added in so many different services so we run the multicultural employment service we run a settlement service an aged care service in partnership with um, MCCI we now have a women's service so it was just all of these different programs and no one understood that everyone was working for the same organization so we rebranded to the multicultural hub Canberra to be able to just kind of consolidate all of the different services and it's been a bit of a journey it's really difficult actually with the multicultural community because the name hub hasn't really resonated too much. So it's just been a lot of like 
kind of explaining to them why we've done it. And we still get called NYS all the time and we just kind of go with the flow (laughs) with that. But yes, we've been around in Canberra for the last 15 years um, and grown quite a bit since then. We service the whole of the multicultural community now through our different services. And so not just young people, but anyone who identifies as being culturally diverse. Do you provide any kind of mental health sort of supports? Yeah, so that was one gap that we had, particularly during 2020 with COVID-19. And so we were very fortunate to receive a kind of short-term funding through one of the COVID-19 rapid grants to be able to engage with a counsellor part-time. So since December, we've had a counsellor with us who does three days of counselling support and and really kind of one of our most needed services at the moment. Mm. And what age range of people are coming to use the counselling support service? Actually, all ages. So it's very diverse from young people Mm. to people 65 plus, men and women as well. Mm. Because I've been involved in an organisation called the ACT Multicultural Mental Health Network for a long time although with COVID and funding grants we are not really very active we keep maintain the radio show but we used to hold forums and events and all sorts of things so I definitely know the need that's out there and it's pretty desperate but it's hard to communicate to funding bodies who don't understand about the issues for people from multicultural backgrounds, do you want to outline some of those that you've encountered, some of those challenges that people face? Absolutely. I think it starts almost with the name counselling and mental health support it, from the very like from that very beginning space. Um, it can be quite difficult because it doesn't mean anything in a lot of cultural backgrounds. It doesn't translate to anything or there's so much stigma that's involved, particularly for men with mental health and coming forward and seeking you know support with their mental health so we really had to make sure that when we were talking to community members that were coming forward and uh, as we were engaging with them and saying look I think you need a little bit of support really changing some of the language and the way that we explained what counselling was because that was the only way that we were going to be able to engage them in it but uh, I think it really starts from that beginning name of of counselling and what that means for them. Mm And did you have you found across 2020 and 2021 the the lack of information in languages other than English around COVID and the vaccines and so forth? Because one of the things I've been promoting is where people can find that kind of information. There's just it's been a struggle initially, certainly in early 2020. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the beginning it was probably a little bit difficult and it was actually just difficult for us, I think, Mm. to be able to understand because it was changing so quickly. So for us to be able to keep up as an organisation in terms of what restrictions were in um, in place for us as well was really difficult. I will say, though, that ACT government worked very closely with us around information sharing, including actually providing us with some of the translated documents and asking us to go back to some of our volunteers and and staff because we're all very culturally diverse and speak different languages and go through it and make sure it does translate correctly. And, and that was really great because why not use organisations like us that have uh, really the ones that are going to be promoting that information. Um, clients were coming to us and saying, I don't understand what this means. And so the ACT government was very proactive in being able to um, kind of get onto that quite quickly. Yeah, because in many other states and listeners might not know that many other states have transcultural uh, centres that cover a whole range of um, health and mental wellbeing uh, issues. 
and provide supports and, and have good resources. I'm always telling people to go to New South Wales Transcultural Mental Health Centre's website because they are the most reliable that I've found across something like 20 plus years in the multicultural sector. And there were issues, um, you know, it's come out that there are issues with the translations from the federal government that people were not understanding. And there really is, it's always an afterthought I've found that you ask people, oh, are you doing a survey? No, yeah, is it in other languages? No, it's only in English. You know, it's an afterthought. I don't know how they think they're going to capture the information that they need from communities I don't know what your experience in that space is, but I'd be interested to hear. Yeah, look, I think it's been interesting because initially everything is just so reactive and I think that's where the, we may have seen some of those gaps come up where maybe things weren't being put out in language because it was just about getting information out. And again, I always take it back to our role and what our organisation can do in this space. So when we're getting information in lang- uh, in English, it's about how do we make sure that that's conveyed appropriately. So, for example, a, a client's not actually understanding what quarantining and isolation means and what the differences are in that. And so, like, having this really great conversation with a client, actually, who was like, I'm quarantining at home, but I'm going to go get some groceries. And we're like, but you're quarantining at home. And he's going, yeah, and you know we have this back and forth and we're going but quarantining like you actually have to stay at home and he goes yeah but i'm just gonna get groceries i'm not gonna talk to anyone and it's like no no you have to and as we kind of delved into it, it's like oh, he actually doesn't understand because that word means nothing to him in his language so it was little things um that we were picking up on that really made it very important in the work that we were doing to ensure that clients and community members in the multicultural community were actually understanding the information that was being put out the other thing that, you know, we had some conversations around was not everyone has literacy even in their own language. Exactly, yep. Um, and so, you know, pictures and, and different things needed to come out that would make it understandable for everyone because, yeah. you know, it's not about just not understanding English. It's not. It's about, you know, not being able to read in their own language as well. Mm. Yeah, there's all of these assumptions that, that everybody just understands or that they can read or access information. But it's forgetting that people might have not only have the barrier of English as a second language, but also they might have sight impairment, hearing impairment, other sorts of disabilities or challenges, might not have family members who speak English well, so there's not being able to rely on someone to assist with translating. And the lack of trust, which people need to feel that, 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 that they have trust with where they're getting the source of the information. Uh, it's just been mind-blowing for me the past sort of whatever it is, 18 months now nearly, where there's been that ongoing barriers and, um, you know, we hear that people aren't engaging or they're very worried. And I have heard people are very worried about getting the vaccine and yet finding information about that and what it means and how you go about it, there's not a lot of information available in other languages. Have you found that people are coming to you for information around the vaccine or...? Surprisingly, no. We haven't seen too much. We've had the odd questions here and there, but we haven't had too much. But I know just within my own family, we've had some conversations around, um, especially with some of the changes that have occurred recently. You know, we've had a lot of conversations around, well, do we wait, do we not, you know, and just trying to navigate through some of the different information that's coming through. But just going back to your question before, I think that one of the 
biggest gaps that prevented uh, maybe community members from being able to access information is just not having the technology to do it. Yeah. Um, and then finding, how, you know, where where are we going? And um, going to government websites is, is really great to start with, but then actually going through and filtering through the information is, I, I struggled with that at some points when we were looking at kind of getting back to face-to-face events and activities. And it was like, what's the restrictions? And I, I would spend 20, 25 minutes just going through a website to try and figure out what those restrictions were and what had changed. And then you <clears> go <throat> to people who don't have access to the technology. It's really difficult for them to be able to get that information. Yeah, so there's a lot of assumptions, isn't there, that people can access the technology, that it, when they get on the website, when they finally find it, that it sees why I recommend New South Wales Transcultural Mental Health Centre is you can find translated information pretty quickly and then so many different languages. There are other websites as well, but it, all of these assumptions about how people are going to access it and older older people who are not computer literate and perhaps are isolated in the community because there's a lot of hidden people in the community, hidden carers and hidden consumers, mental health people living with mental health or disability in our communities. And that's not well understood by funding bodies and people preparing this info, sadly, in the mainstream, which is why we need organisations like yours. And I think that's really been important for us over the last, like you said, 18 months, just playing that role and and working closely and and passing back feedback as well on the things that we see. And we, we've we've done that and we have a really good relationship with our funding bodies to be able to give that feedback and say, look, these are some of the concerns that are coming up from um, the community members that we're working with and kind of implementing some changes and working closely with them to do that. Mm-hmm. So where do you source your funding from? So we're from, because we're in New South Wales and ACT, it's a little bit of from New South Wales government, ACT government, um, and then federal as well. Mm, okay. And... Let's talk a little bit about youth because I'm curious to know what sort of issues are young people facing today? Look, I think definitely through so through our multicultural youth service, some of the things that we see coming up is mental health is, is a part of it. And I think the mental health part of it links into cultural identity and cultural clash is probably one of the things that I... I almost feel repetitive because I say it all the time every time I'm talking to different stakeholders around young people and things that we see, but definitely cultural clash and cultural identity. I think people who, young people who are coming in and particularly young people who are coming in from probably the like just hitting that youth age are trying to navigate through two, two different cultural identities. You know, they're Australian, the the, the things that they're learning in Australia and in, in this society, in this community, um, what they're seeing from their peers and then you know, the family traditions and the family cultures and, and um, what they grew up in in, in their previous country um, and trying to marry the two together. And definitely my siblings and I had that a little bit because it was like we had two different cultural identities and, and so much more so growing up from a young age. And they're definitely things that we see come up and it's about working with these young people to say to them that's actually normal to have these these feelings and to be trying to understand, you know, kind of where you fit in between the two cultures, but also to work with them and their parents to make sure that there's no family breakdown with these cultural clashes and, you know, that they communicate well and that they're understanding each other as well in that space. They're, they're diff- two things that we definitely see come up a lot. Yeah, so the intergenerational challenge. I actually grew up here in Australia, but my father's from elsewhere and I had that 
with family members who who were born here and it was like going from one visiting my grandparents my Irish grandparents and then we'd go later on in the day over to the Australians who'd been here longer and it was like going from one country to another completely and different ways of actually engaging and showing respect for your elders and it's hard yep it's very hard to know who you are yeah are you an australian or are you irish or fijian or lebanese background or whatever and you know the parents um i grew up with people who who were challenged for English language and then the younger family members are doing the translating and so on. And there can be quite a lot of pressure on young people. Yeah, we um, we definitely see that a lot. And just little things like with our school holiday programs, for example. So we're 12 to 25 and we have to allow some younger siblings to come and participate in our programs, you know, as young as six and seven and because their older siblings are carers for them. It's, and it's that family dynamic and we, we grew up with that so we understand what that's like and so if we kind of said well I'm sorry you're, you're seven or eight and you're too young to come in we know immediately that the older siblings wouldn't be able to come and engage and for us it's really important because we can bring them in together we do some really specific things at our youth space for the younger ones and allow the older ones that are kind of that teenage years to go and just be teenagers and you know, go and uh, like go bowling and go and play and, and participate in the activities and give them that little bit of a break as well. So I think we play a very important role in there. But, you know, it's, it's little things that we've had to change and adapt to working in the space that we work in that's very different to mainstream organisations because we've got to have that cultural appropriateness in, in what we're doing with them and that cultural sensitivity and understanding, I think, that makes us a little bit more flexible in, in some of these areas. Yeah, and I'm thinking, and it's great that you do that because the mainstreaming of services for people from Indigenous and multicultural backgrounds is really problematic uh, because people will stop using the service because their needs are not actually being being met or understood. And then there's the challenge of trying to explain that if someone's English is a second language. So I think it's fabulous that you're actually listening to the communities that you're providing support to. Thank you. Yeah, marvellous. And of of the cultural groups in Canberra, how many cultural groups do you have coming in? Do you have specific ones? Because I can imagine over in Queanbeyan it might be a different demographic than here in Canberra. Very, very diverse in Canberra. We launched a multicultural women's service at the beginning of last year and it was you know, really good timing because it was just before COVID um, and then we, we got inundated with a lot of referrals for support. And, you know, at that time we thought it would be interesting to see what cultural groups come in and access this women's service. And it's been so diverse that I couldn't actually say specifically it's just these these few different cultural groups. We definitely tend to see a little bit more of particular um, cultural groups. And I think that's very um, that's very much due to the fact that our staff members belong to those cultural groups as well. So they obviously have this connection within the community. So when community members from their cultural group needs a bit of support, they'll know this person works here and I can go and um, talk to them. But very, very culturally diverse in terms of um, the different cultural groups that we work with. Is there a difference in the kind of needs that those women are coming to you for? 
Yeah, look, I think um, it was, again, it was really interesting when we were planning and developing this service. We thought, okay, domestic violence is obviously going to be a really key part of it, and, and it has been, but it's so mixed. We've got some women who just want to come and make friends and have a social connection, whether it's with us workers or whether it's with other women. We have some women who just need a bit of support looking for jobs or, uh, you know, need really, like, uh, low intensity type of support you know it might be I just need a bit of help with sorting out this bill or you know just driving lessons and things like that too yeah then the more intense um, support work around family relationships domestic violence homelessness that kind of stuff and what about people with mental health issues yeah that seems to be kind of I think um, as we engage with these women and talk to them we always find that there's this element of having needing a little bit of mental health support and that's really been really great to have the counseling service there to be able to just come in and do that type of support but like I said for some women it's really just about I'm new to Canberra I don't know anyone here I don't have any family here COVID has really restricted my ability to meet people so can I connect with you and then from that I'll be able to connect with other women Mm. and in Queen Vian you're saying different cultural groups all together yeah, we do. We have a lot of our Macedonian, Serbian community members um, in Indian as well. In, in the Queanbeyan area? Yeah. 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 So older communities that have been here long, long, more long-standing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, interesting. And that's a, it's an interesting thing, I think, the dynamic that's uh, occurred with new and emerging communities that have come to Canberra since I became involved in multicultural mental health and well-being. Initially, it was those older communities, Finnish, German, Greek, Italian, and uh, the you know Baltic states and so forth. And now uh, African and uh, Fijian, yeah. Samoan, yeah, a whole raft of different people. Yeah, so I just lastly, because I realize we're limited with our time <laughs> yeah. today, uh, are there any other projects that you've got going? And you talked about the aged... The aged care, yeah. Yeah, So I'm interested to know about that. We work in partnership with um, MCCI. They are an aged care service, so we work in partnership with them. So we will just do referrals into their service for any of our clients. And they do a lot of really fabulous activities and groups for the different um, cultural communities and the seniors within those cultural communities. And it's just been a really wonderful partnership to be able to support the senior members in our community in terms of projects programs and activities so, so that one's a little bit about reducing isolation for people yes it is it, and, and loneliness which is a- absolutely know. and just kind of like bringing them together and through they ncci also have the ability to support um, senior members within their homes with domestic services so you know being able to get them into these types of activities and then link in with them and find out what are the support that they need I think works really really well Mm. with other programs and activities we just recently um, a few weeks ago launched a collaborative youth space in Gungalan so that's open for drop-in so open access on Wednesday afternoon and that's in partnership with Bernardo's and Northside Community Services and it's just been really really wonderful to be able to get into Gungalan and have a very much needed space during the daytime on we've got um, access to the space on Mondays and Thursdays and we're looking at doing some different women's groups um, and bringing women together to have that more social interaction with each other you know Gungalan has a very high population of multicultural community members so it's a really yeah. great target area for us as well and it's I, I don't know why there isn't a hospital another hospital or um, sort of 
a step up, step down facility up at, in, in Gungahlin because it certainly is needed as a parent of someone who has a mental illness going all the way to Canberra Hospital uh, and then it's an emotional experience and then coming back. I really think that there needs to be some thinking about the needs of multicultural communities and actually the communities up there, all the communities are living up uh, in the Gungahlin area. So it's great you're doing something in that space. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. No, look, it's been a it's been a wonderful partnership. You know, collaboration I think is just key in terms of the community sector and the work that we do and being able to link in with other organizations to make things happen, like this Gungalan space, which is called Gunner Space, which was named by a young person, chose the name and created the logo, it has just been really, really important and you know, we're excited to continue collaboration with other services. Mm. Now, I understand that you have been nominated for an award. Oh, I was hoping you'd forget this. <laughs> no, I think I've remembered everything. <laughs> yeah, so tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I've been nominated for a Women's Agenda Award for 2021 as an emerging leader in the not-for-profit area and also been named a finalist in my category. So... It's all very exciting, uh, very overwhelming. I think, yeah, I'm, I always get a little bit uncomfortable with these types of things. But, um, yeah, next week, Thursday, we'll find out kind of the outcome of the award ceremony. So next Thursday? The 29th. The 29th. Yeah. And we'll know then whether yeah. or not. And, and is that going to be promoted uh, somewhere? The women's Agenda have been on through their social media, through LinkedIn um, and their website and yeah, I guess it'll be just exciting. And um, look, it's it's going through the nominations and just seeing the different women. It's really fabulous. There is a great representation of multicultural women who are finalists in the different categories that they've got, um, which has been wonderful. And a few of them are community members who work in the community sector that I've actually had the privilege of working alongside. So it's been really wonderful to see um, these women just being recognised for the work that they're doing. Mm. That's congratulations Thank for you. that. Now, tell me, for people who are listening, how can they find the Multicultural Hub if they need some information or want to access your services? Absolutely. So a couple of different ways. One is just pop into our office. So we're located at the Theonotaris Multicultural Centre, which is at 180 London Circuit in Canberra. Um, the other way is just to give us a call or have um, kind of go through our website and see the different services and, and referral pathways to kind of access our services. And that's just www.mhub.org.au. And the telephone number? Oh, that's that. That one I don't know off by heart. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> That's all right. I'll look it up so that we can uh, let people know Thank you. where they can ring because, you know, sometimes the phone is the easiest, look, absolutely. easiest way to have a conversation. Absolutely. And we do have a Facebook page and, you know, we do keep that up to date with any events and activities that are coming up and, and the things that we're doing. Mm. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it and I'm glad that something is happening in the multicultural space and that the that project that was around multicultural youth has expanded and is addressing the needs of community that's fabulous thank you thank you very much for having me my pleasure yeah cheers